Welcome back to the Your Money Personal Finance Podcast, episode number 15. I'm your host, John Abbott, alongside the president of Everything Financial, Peter Sashecki. And Peter, we had a very fun episode number 14. We want to thank all of the listeners on a continual basis uh, that not only follow the podcast, but offer questions to yourmoney at everythingfinancial.com. That's the email address to reach us at. We just did a big Ask Peter episode and in episode number 14, lots of good advice in that one. Encourage you to check it out if you haven't already. You can uh, like, subscribe, and review our podcast uh, that includes a YouTube channel as well, Your Money Personal Finance Podcast. And this one, we're getting into tax planning tips, and that is always a necessity, Peter. It is. Um, one of my favorite things is to slam the government, as you know. But on a serious note, well, that is serious, actually, but looking at ways to save on taxes. It's a lot easier to make money and save money if you're not giving it away to the tax man in the first place so or tax woman. So we look at simple ways to save on taxes to get you ahead, and that's kind of the easy thing because everyone thinks about, oh, if I invest money and I make this and I make that. Take the easy route first, the taxes, where the investment returns are a bonus. So yeah, we're going to talk about different tax brackets, different tax-saving methods, and hopefully the listeners will get something out of this to put more money in their pockets. Again, you can reach Peter, as always, as we tell you, at everythingfinancial.com, home of everything mortgages as well, home of the Omni formula and the GPS. And boy, do we need a GPS to get through uh, tax planning uh, because it affects so many areas. So let's start off with that. Uh, tax planning, uh, why is that key and a big part of your overall financial plan is, is to be able to, to go through it like that in the, in, the, in the foreground. Yeah, having tax planning should be at the base of every financial plan because, again, we talked about, you know, well, if I invest this and I make this and I make that or do these things, that's all great investment returns, but there's no guarantees. There's, you know, things float around. We, as we went, we saw in 08 with the recession and we saw, with the big crash of the market when COVID hit back in 2020. These, and now, yeah, they do recover, but these things happen. And if it could be at the wrong time in your planning cycle and doesn't work out favorably for you. But taxes, if you can save on taxes, money that comes to you in tax refunds is tax free. That's a good thing. So when you can design a plan where you know for sure you're going to save 5000 10000 whatever the case may be on taxes. That's money in your pocket. That's a huge benefit. And tax savings in a proper tax plan does not, repeat, does not mean putting more money into RSP so I get a bigger refund. And remember this, and we may cover this later, but getting a good tax refund does not equate to I had a really good accountant. That means you gave the government way too much of an interest-free loan. So we will talk about taxes, but taxes are free money, tax-free money in your pocket, and there's more ways to do this than just dumping a bunch of money into RSPs. Well, we'll get into strategy, Peter, and we'll get into uh, setting you up in the best possible way, but I think there are maybe some listeners, viewers, subscribers out there that aren't aware of some of the pitfalls. Can you, can you lay out a couple uh, or maybe the top three mistakes that people make when tax planning? Well, a couple of the major ones are 
they think, and we'll talk about this, but they put too much money into RSP so that, and, and other type vehicles like that with pensions and so that when they retire, if they don't plan properly in the tax planning strategy, all their money will be taxable at retirement. You need some tax-free money as well. Another um, thing that people think is, they think when they retire, tax planning is over. Well, no, you still have to plan because when you retire, you want to find some tax planning solutions so you can put more money in your pocket at retirement. The planning and the tax savings don't end at retirement because guess what? You're still paying taxes. So if you can look at tax planning strategies at retirement, that's huge. One of the other big three misnomers or people think is, they think, why buy RSPs? I'm just going to pay all that money back when I retire. Not true. Not if you plan properly. The, the, the big way to plan for this is I buy my RSPs, let's say, in a 40% tax bracket, and I cash them in in a 20% tax bracket. Use the provincial, the government tax rates to your advantage, and proper planning it will not be a mistake. It'll be an advantage that you're deferring the tax, but then paying the tax back at a much lower rate. So the difference in retirement is you have to budget a lot of times and pay those taxes yourself. No, you don't have an employer taking them off your paycheck every two weeks. So finding your registered financial planner to devise a proper tax strategy is key so you don't fall into some of those pitfalls and make the mistakes. And those are kind of the, the common ones we see. You, you scratch the surface on provincial implications. And I think uh, this one is a big one. The tax, understanding the tax brackets, provincially, federally, as it relates to residents of British Columbia, uh, because boy, that can mean a very big difference in take home in paying back and where you fit in this thing. Yeah, and I'm going to hit on the two here, um, but the one, the one main thing is with BC and provincial, when you're, you're talking about taxes, you got to look at two things. You got to look at the combination of the federal tax bracket and then added to the provincial tax bracket to get the true amount of tax you pay. And if you're in the lowest tax bracket at 20%, 20% combined provincial, federal, around that $45,000 area, give or take a few bucks, I'm just doing it off the top of my head. Why buy RSPs? You're already in the lowest tax bracket. Save, buy a TFSA instead. Save those RSP tax refunds until you make uh, an amount of money that's more substantial where it actually is going to be a, a refund for you. The other thing, and we touch on this all the time, is people think, you know, and, and this again has been brainwashed into us for years by the big banks about, Buy more RSPs, get yourself in a lower tax bracket, you'll save a ton of money. Well, not if you look at it the right way. If you're in a 45% tax bracket and you buy so much in RSPs that you put yourself down to a 32% tax bracket, do you think of it as, I just saved 13% of my taxes? That's what you're taught to think. Or is the real truth, I just got 13% of a less of a refund from the government. That's the way I look at it. Make the government pay. 
buy enough in RSPs just to stay within that tax bracket um, and get yourself a much larger refund. Going through your tax bracket should be a major part of your financial plan. So you realize the old simple adage, you get the most bang for your buck when depositing money into your RSPs. It's not about contributing all this money. So you're basically almost getting no refund. And we talked about that in an earlier episode where um, an investor put uh, was it $25,000 into an RSP or he was going to, and his refund was about $11,200. So he thought I'll put another $25,000 in and realized his refund only went to $11,500. It went up $300. He, so we didn't do the second 25,000. He put himself into so low of a tax bracket, all the money got the lower refund. Makes no sense. So you really got to talk to someone who has a tax planning department at the financial planning firm to really run those comparisons for you before you make so much of a contribution, you're almost getting nothing back. And that's not the way to make money. Well, while we're, while we're on the topic uh, of the bracketology, uh, to steal an NCAA uh, term here, Peter, if you're if you're coming in near the top, what are good ways to lower to, to get into a lower bracket? What are good ways to to lower uh, the amount that you're you're going to have to to dish out? One is RSPs, obviously, because you get a refund on your money right there. Just make sure you do the right amount for you, especially in BC, where the top tax bracket is fifty three point five percent now. That that slid in so good during COVID. I don't think anyone even saw it in BC. <laughs> of course. We're, we're back to the tax brackets of the NDP days of the, the early 90s, where we were the, basically the highest in Canada. We are just marginally under the highest rate in Canada. So when we had our last government before Horgan, we had pretty much almost the best taxes in Canada. And now we're the highest again. Gee, imagine how that works. And no one even noticed in the veil of this very serious COVID. But I think government kind of used it to their advantage. But RSPs can help lower taxes. Also looking at making your, the interest on your mortgage tax deductible. Huge benefit you can do in Canada. You really de- do need an expert in that field to do it and do a full plan related to, do, to that. But maybe it only starts out with twenty-five dollars to $50,000 of the debt on your mortgage. The interest on that portion is tax deductible. But then it can compound like a, and like a snowball. It can get bigger and bigger. And that's a key because that's a great deduction. A third one and an easy one to do, a real easy one to do. Get yourself a registered financial planner that's aligned themselves with a portfolio manager, not mutual funds, but a portfolio manager. If you're going to be paying fees, one, pay small fees. Two, through a portfolio manager on what we call taxable accounts. So not an RSP, not a TFSA also known as non-registered investments, those management fees are tax deductible through a portfolio manager. What a huge, easy savings. You're investing the money anyways, so why not create another tax deduction separate from RSPs? So interest on your mortgage, if it's done the right way, RSPs, management fees through a portfolio manager. Three easy tax deductions as part of your financial plan that'll put more money in your pocket. Talking tax planning with Peter Sashecki, president of Everything Financial. You can find him at everythingfinancial.com, home of Everything Mortgages as well. Or you can email us to reach Peter directly as well, your money at everythingfinancial.com. And uh, I like those tips. We are going to provide others here on episode 15. We're just getting started. 
Income splitting. This is a popular one, Peter. It's not for everybody, but how does it work? Uh, and what kind of savings can there be if you decide to split between the spouses? Okay, say in this question that you, you own a business and you and your spouse work at your business, being very good at it, very diligent, being successful. And let's, uh, let's go back to the last question or the last comment we talked about was that high tax bracket at 222000 and change. So what if you bring home or from your business, you and your spouse take out $250,000, hypothetically. Well, one person can take out $250,000 and all that $250,000 is taxed at 53.5% or take out 125,000 each and have that taxed at about 38%. Look at all the money you're gonna save on taxes if you did it that way. So there's a simple way to do income splitting to save yourself, you know, 15, 16, 17%, depending on the rate, you know, depending what that income bracket obviously is. Even, hey, even if you're saving 12% on the taxes or 10%, that's 10% more money in your pocket. So that's a great way to income split to get you both into um, a lower marginal tax rate. That's a huge benefit. Great way to put money in your pocket. The other thing you can do on that income splitting though, is look at taking out a certain amount of your income in the form of dividends if you own your own business. I said the dividend tax rate, a lot of cases, a lot lower than the personal tax rate. So even income splitting, though, if you take out dividends, that could be a lot more money in your pocket. Not only you save on taxes, maybe you save on the CPP premiums, the EI, the WCB, like all those other things. If you're taking out dividends, you don't gain um, RSP room on dividend money, but at this stage, you might be more worried about taxes than what do I gain in future RSP deposits. So those are just a few of the, the little things you can do that will allow you to put more money in your pocket and less of your money in the government's pocket. I was going to say one of their names, but I can't because I just might throw up in my mouth if I do. Well, I think we're, as it relates to the government, this year is maybe even more important than any other tax year in recent memory anyway, because uh, so many people have gone on government assistance in, in one form or another. And you've reminded us in previous episodes what that can mean, but I think there needs to be a refresher as to uh, what could be coming down the corner here, coming around the corner for Canadians that have uh, used CERB or some of these other assistance programs and why it's so important to go to a uh, a tax planner and, and have a tax plan at a registered financial planner uh, because they'll be able to spot some of the ways that you can navigate this. It, it may not be easy this tax time. No, there's a lot of things. We get a lot of questions right now with people going, oh, I only made this much this last year in 2020. And then they go, oh, but wait a minute. I got $12,000 in CERB that I didn't pay taxes on you really need to start looking at those things and not just this year, this goes for any year. The time to start tax planning is before you need to. It's way in advance and always, you know, update your planner on your income and what your expenses are that you're maybe going to get to write off. If you have charitable donations, the, the plan you build with your registered financial planner is really based on you first, not the planner. It's only as good as the information you provide. You have to give the person the tools to help you. And, and what they use for tax planning is useless if they don't have the right information. So when in doubt, 
give your registered financial planner everything and they can decide what things are applicable and what things aren't because it's really easy to think, oh, what did I do? And, and here's the thing, don't wait until you get your T4. Um, this starts way earlier in the year and you can even go with, again, if the financial planner's office has a tax planning department where they have an accountant in there working on the numbers, you can give them your final pay stub and say, hey, from this, what am I looking at? What am I gonna need? Um, I worked a lot of overtime this year, but they took off the same, same amount of tax. Those are conversations you need to have way in advance to make sure you don't get caught. Because guess what? If you go to your registered financial planner on March 2nd, 3rd, 4th, somewhere around there to start tax planning for the previous year, you miss the boat. It's too late because if you did need RSPs, those days are already gone. And so you have to start it out early to make sure um, you get ahead of it. So I, I tell people, start planning in the summertime. Have a visit with your financial planner and say, this is what this year looks like. Get ahead of it. Keep the money in your pocket. Best way to lose money is giving it away to the government and getting nothing for it. We're talking tax planning. And yeah, that's a reoccurring line from Peter Sashecki. Pretty much every episode as well is uh, have, have the information, have the facts, and don't give any extra money to the government that you may be able to keep. Of course, it sounds obvious, but it's not always obvious to get there. So we tell you to go see Peter and he'll take care of you at everythingfinancial.com. Another question that maybe many are asking right now as it relates to taxes, Peter, life insurance, RESPs, are those tax-free? Um, to a degree, yes. So let's go with the life insurance first. God forbid you pass away and your life insurance is left there to help your family, help your spouse, that life insurance is tax-free. The key to, what, to keeping your life insurance tax-free is the premiums you use to pay the life insurance comes from your taxable income. You're not writing off premiums and life insurance for the most part. There is one type you can, but let's just keep with the basics for the majority of the viewers, is life insurance left to your spouse tax-free because you're not writing off the premiums. That's the key. RESPs, um, yes, they're growing, well, again, for the most part. RESPs, the Registered Education Savings Plan, used there to help your kids uh, pay for post-secondary education. You put money into that. There's no write-off for the money you deposit first off. Let's stick with that. You're also not claiming the grant from the government on your income tax. So you're still in a tax-free component there. The, the money you've deposited, the grant you got from the government, and the investment returns you get on that money each year are all growing essentially tax-free, tax-deferred first off. But that money is tax-free as long as you stick within the guidelines of the RESP, the money, the grant, the growth, et cetera, is pulled out and used for your children's, the, the annuitant, the, the beneficiary, the person who the plan is on, it's used for their post-secondary education. So as long as that money is being pulled out, used for books, tuition, the new computer, you know, the, the things that qualify for post-secondary education and the things that qualify to allow you to spend that RESP money, then you do have a tax-free investment and a tax-free plan there. But if the child didn't go to school 
Um, certain things, you have to look up the rules because we could be here all day just talking about RESPs. Uh, then there could be some tax hit back to you on the RESP, but use its proper way. It's a tax-free item if it, it's used within you know the rules that are there, which is easy to do if you're going to school. And just to hit on this, just to, to, to give people, the listeners, a little more flexibility. If you have more than one child, two, three, three, John, there, three, three children, John, lucky um, number. and you have the RESP, you do what's called a family RESP. All the kids are combined in one plan, and then the money can be moved back and forth to different children because maybe out of three, two go to post-secondary and one has nothing to do with post-secondary. Who knows? So you've got money there to use for three but one child could go to a four-year program. The other child could go to a, maybe a two-year technical school program that costs a different amount of money. So if they're all on the family RESP plan, you give yourself more flexibility and you're more likely to be able to use that all tax-free. Very good advice. And uh, it's never too early to plan for that either. I'm living proof of that one. Uh, when we continue along, something that I've heard of, Peter, here as it relates to tax planning, but really don't know that much about. So you're going to enlighten me here as well. Retirement compensation agreement. Can you expand on that? I didn't know you were a pro hockey player, John. <laughs> That's why I've heard of it. Because I, I thought you were vertically challenged. No. Yes. Lots of um, red lights, but uh, not good when you're a goalie. There is these retirement compensation agreements that we might have to tackle that in a whole different episode, the whole thing, but it's not something anyone can do. There's a lot of stipulations in those and how they work and these lump sum of monies that can um, be paid out. But there, there is those, there's other types of things for business owners, not just those. There is other types of large lump sum retirement agreements that can help business owners and they're there, but they're not for everyone. There's make this much, go this long, all these things that have to tie into it. So it's not something for everybody. As a matter of fact, it covers very um, few people. So it's not something there for everyone. But the majority of people out there, you know, have to stick with the simple plans, the simple rules that are there and design a a simple plan um, to allow you to get from point A to point B in your retirement with an emphasis on saving on fees and saving on taxes along the way. That's a huge way to work on your plan, but the guaranteed money in your pocket. That leads us perfectly into uh, a discussion I know you're passionate about, maxing out RSPs and then TFSA. Is that the best? Is that the best or only way to grow your money tax-free in Canada? Well, a TFSA, you're right, John, is growing your money tax-free. People think an RSP is also growing your money tax-free. An RSP is growing your money tax-deferred. You're deferring the taxes till later. And as we've talked about many times, the idea with an RSP is deferring those taxes to later. So buying the RSP at one rate, 45%, Deferring it till you're in a 30% tax bracket, let's say. The tax-free savings account is pretty much one of the best ways to invest money, short, medium, long-term. You get no write-off on the money putting in. you put in. You've already paid tax on that money. 
But if you go aggressive on a more longer term investment in a tax-free savings account, all that profit down the road can be tax-free. Now, I said this in a way on purpose, can be tax-free. People think money in a TFSA is automatically tax-free. If you're doing, let's say, day trading with your tax-free savings account, buying speculative stocks that sometimes you hit a home run on and you think, holy crap, I just made all this money off this trade I made. Um, guess what? There's precedent. The government will come back and tax you on that growth. You have to use the TFSA properly to make sure the earnings on that TFSA stay tax-free. And if you're not sure RSP, because you alluded to that in your question, or TFSA, Start with the TFSA, making sure, and I hate the word TFSA, I'm sorry, John. It should really be called a tax-free investment account because it's long-term, because savings account makes people think something short-term. But regardless, if it's putting your T TFIA, there we go, we're gonna start that, okay? <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna, it's gonna catch on eventually, I promise. If you put into the TFIA and you invest your money long-term, all of a sudden, if the need comes up for an RSP, you can move that money and the growth over to an RSP and there's no tax consequences because the growth is intact. So your money's still invested like you're investing it long-term, except you might need to move it from the TFIA. It's going to catch on, I promise, to the RRSP. So that could be a huge benefit. We just got to say it enough, right? That's, that's exactly. Exactly. We'll get that done here on the Your Money Personal Finance Podcast. John Abbott in conversation with our expert, Peter Sushecki from Everything Financial on tax planning. Uh, we've had this one written in, Peter, so we are going to go to that mailbag again. Do you foresee the capital gains exemption changing? Um, very likely could, John. you got to pay for COVID somehow. <laughs> it, it, it could change or, or the capital gains numbers, they've been reduced before. They could change again. Um, don't be surprised, but make sure, again, you, you have a firm you deal with who has a tax expert on hand to give you a heads up. Because a lot of times when these things change, you are given a warning. You are given a length of time to make adjustments to what you're doing. Um, the rates may change on capital gains. It, it may not be gone altogether. I don't know if I buy into that it's going to change on your personal residence anytime soon. That's the one people go to right away. But then again, way back around 100 years ago, income tax was brought in as a temporary solution around World War I. So you never know. And income tax is still here, even though it was a temporary solution to help out with some things. So the capital gains on personal resi residence may disappear at some point. But then make sure you have someone on your team to plan for it if that does happen. So a lot of times with different things, the government will put out feelers, you know, something was leaked by the government to see what the public reaction is. And then they see what things they can get away with. Oh, like top tax bracket in BC being 53.5%. Geez, who saw that coming? There was something mentioned about it over a year and a half ago. COVID hit, everyone forgot about it. And look at that. We now have 53.5% as our top tax rate. So unless people get up in arms and scream about these things, you know what? nothing is going to change. You have to sit there, protect yourself and build a plan to always stay legally one step ahead of the tax man. 
You can reach Peter by, you can reach us at the Your Money Personal Finance Podcast by emailing us your money at everythingfinancial.com. That's where that last capital gains question came in from. We're on episode 15, tax planning. It is so key each and every year, given the variables in your life, but even maybe more so in this pandemic time that we're going through. Peter, how do you marry that at Everything Financial with your, your Omni formula, your, your GPS guidance, performance, and strategy? Uh, where does the chunk of tax planning come in? You touched on it briefly right off the top with us. Yeah, tax planning should be at the first front of every plan. I mean, again, do the things that are guaranteed. A financial plan is not buying RSPs and getting some stupid quote of 8, 9, 10, 11, 12% you're going to earn on your plan. That's buying a product and that's buying a rate of return. Fast rates of return aren't on sale. You go for the, the part of a plan that stays the same every year. Lower fees, year over year on your investments. Doesn't matter what you're investing per se. All you know is you're paying lower fees or tax deductible fees to go against your income tax. Other things you can do, maybe business related and write-offs and things like that. Maybe you're self-employed, maybe you're a commission salesperson who gets to write off the car, the phone, the cell, the dinners, lunches out and so on, all those things. Look at the things that are going to put money in your pocket guaranteed on taxes right away to build your plan. Those are the safety nets. Then you look at rated returns. The more you build your plan on taxes, guaranteed savings, et cetera, the less pressure has to be put on a rate of return. So when you build a plan that can have very little dependency on rate of return, you have more likely uh, a chance of success for the plan because the higher the rate of return you need to reach your goals, the more volatile the investments are and the more likelihood of not succeeding. So if your plan can be built on a good sound base of tax, guaranteed tax savings and low fees in your pocket to start, then everything else after that is gravy. Well, let's get to a difficult topic. And that is, uh, it's a familiar catchphrase, death and taxes go, <laughs> go hand to hand. The only things you can rely upon. That death part, though, that can be difficult, um, even more than just the, the personal loss, and that's the immediate, obviously. But uh, there are long-term, sometimes long-term, after effects of dealing with the state, uh, how the finances uh, potentially are divvied up or who's covering the costs. How do you manage that from a tax perspective, and, and how can people keep more money um, funneled to the children or to the family as opposed to giving that up? To the government. Let's go sit with some real basic things you can do um, with your plan and not even with your plan, just with the way you label some things to help out. First thing you can do is make sure you have a beneficiary on your life insurance. So your beneficiary is your spouse. If spouse is predeceased, you maybe it's your kids to make sure that money doesn't flow through the estate. So name a beneficiary on your life insurance. That's number one. Name a beneficiary on your RSPs or your, if you're older and your RSPs are now an income, that's known as a RIF, lift, there's different things. But anyways, name a beneficiary on those so it goes directly to your spouse. Even if your spouse, again, is predeceased you and it's going to go to your kids, by naming a beneficiary, you keep that money out of probate. It, it saves you something. It allows for a more immediate transfer of the money 
to your loved ones. Same thing on your TFSA. So with those three key things, life insurance, TFSA, um, critical illness can come under life insurance, but that's yours because you're alive to collect that. Sorry. Um, so life insurance, TFSA, RSP, RIF, whatever the case may be. Naming a beneficiary is key. Don't name the estate. That's one way um, and, a, and a very sound way to minimize taxes and make sure everything is there for you. Um, make sure you have a will. Make sure your will is up to date. If, if your spouse um, passes away, go update your will. Um, that's the key thing. Talk to a professional, lawyer, or notary, get them to update your will to make sure it's current if someone passes away. Those are some of the basic, simple, simple things you need to do to make sure your house is in order. Go to your financial planning firm, go talk to your registered financial planner. A lot of them have estate plans, which is in our case, separate from the Omni formula, we have the Omni estate plan, which is like doing the job of the executor before you pass away. Executor job's a horrible job. We've talked about this with Bart Aldrich on previous episodes. Make sure you do a lot of that stuff first um, and do that planning while you're still here and can do it simply and make sure there's direction so that make things easier for people because saving time on settling your estate is saving money. So those are some of the basic things you can do to make sure money doesn't flow through to probate. And if you can save money on probate and put people's money, the money from your estate in the executor's hand quicker to help settle things, um, then that makes their life easier. And that's a good thing. Very good suggestions. And Peter, as we wrap up uh, this episode, uh, rotating around tax planning, what advice do you have for people that are, that are self-employed that own their own business come tax time? Um, well, it depends if the business is incorporated or, but a lot of times people are just self-employed and they have like a sole proprietorship. Look at some of the simple things you can do and keep track of. And we have a, a, a cheat sheet, if you will. It's not really a cheat sheet, but a, a guidance sheet on our website for the biggest one that's come out of COVID, John, the home office deduction. Yeah. I mean, so many people legally working at home and are entitled to deductions. There's the simplest one we can use. Look at the square footage of the office in your house. So pick a really, really big room to work in all the time. <laughs> um, and then look at that, those sheets we have on how much of my house insurance can be deducted, my interest on my mortgage, my taxes, um, my utilities, et cetera. How much of those things can all be deducted off your income tax if you're self-employed? That's the key. Um, if you're allowed to use a car for business, keeping track of the mileage, my, you know, my, my gas bill, my repair bills, my car insurance, my car payments, all those things. Is a lease better than a purchase, depending what your write-offs are? Those are some of the basic things you should get a hand with to make sure you don't leave tax money on the table. Um, look at those things long before tax time, those are things you would plan now for next year is what things am I going to be able to do? And one of the most common questions I get from people is, should I buy or should I lease on a car? Well, it depends what your tax situation is. And if you're going to be able to write off that full lease payment or write off the depreciated payment, which is a whole formula for the purchase. 
look at what's best for your situation that's going to put that's going to cost you the least and put the most amount of money in your pocket but don't forget the simple one as i said i'll circle back to the home office deductions make sure you keep track of them it may not seem like a lot but in this time of covid and the, the transition to a lot of people working from home don't lose sight on the easy deduction something perhaps as easy as where do you do your zoom meetings from I think that applies to pretty much everybody these days. You bet. And I do. I mean, I'm doing my Zoom meetings from the office, but a lot of times because of my me having to still, in spite of COVID, but just my life, traveling to our different locations that we have for everything financial with our offices in Canada and the office we have in the U.S., um, I'm in there to do a Zoom meeting. So, you know, you, you go to where you have to or... I sit at home as I am today in my home office and doing a Zoom meeting from there. So you do them from wherever you can. And that is the beauty of Zoom these days. There's never a time you can't do a meeting. Just have to, you just have to have a background and you can do a meeting. That's right. And we're working on that one too. It is the Your Money Personal Finance Podcast, uh, episode 15. Another terrific one f- filled with insight from Peter. Uh, Peter Sashecki, president of Everything Financial with his tax planning advice. Best way to reach you, Peter, and we just mentioned it, virtually, even though you have offices in uh, the Lower Mainland, in, in White Rock, and then on the island in Victoria, you mentioned your US, U.S. offices as well. But if you want to reach out and get in touch quickly, but also most efficiently, right now it is booking a virtual appointment, everythingfinancial.com. You bet. You can email me directly even at pjc at everythingfinancial.com. Go on to the website, though, www.everythingfinancial.com. Talk to one of my assistants. They'll set you up with a meeting because if you do it with me, I'll probably mess it up. <laughs> they, they keep me away from things like that so they can run my life. But we'll get you in front of me or one of our associate advisors. Um, we work as a team at everythingfinancial.com. There's no commission salespeople at our company. Everyone works on the Omni formula, on the plan for the client to make sure they're getting good service and a plan designed in a, in a quick timeline so we can educate them. You, you, know, you don't wanna start on a financial plan, do a meeting and come back four months later. You forgot everything from four months before. You don't even wanna do it four weeks later, you forget about everything. So our idea is if you want a plan, we'll get you on track right away and start designing that plan for you with you in mind and it's your plan, not ours. So every plan is customized designed for the client. Peter, we mentioned that episode 14 was such a hit going into the mailbag for the Ask Peter segment, or actually in this case, entire episode. We loved it so much. Uh, we try to incorporate all the questions that we receive by people, listeners, viewers, subscribers, going to your money at everythingfinancial.com. That's where you would send your email question or feedback to us. And uh, so with that note, we are going to have time to, to get one in here. And it's, it's a pretty fun one. If you were the uh, if you were the finance minister for Canada, jeez, here we go. What uh, you can imagine that? What okay. would you be doing differently moving forward here? Everything. Uh, <laughs> generic <laughs> answer: everything and anything. Let's go with a couple of the basics uh, near and dear to my heart. First off, I would start with the old evil thing that the, the finance ministers always say, and this is what governments say to get elected, and it just burns me. Make the rich pay. They say this all the time to get elected. That's what, when I say left-wing socialist governments, it's my podcast. I can say whatever I want. But they always say, make the rich pay. What does a socialist government do, as the great Margaret Thatcher said? 
when the rich run out of money. So first off, making the rich pay is complete BS because if you taxed the rich in Canada, as they say, and you made the rich, and we'll call the rich only, everyone with over $250,000, and you made them all give all that money towards the national debt, it'd be like trying to empty Niagara Falls with a thimble, wouldn't even make a dent in it. So the truth on finances, and remember, the people who go into politics, a lot of them are lawyers who actually flunked out and can't get a real job, so they go into politics for the freebies. So... The, the truth is start with corporations, lower corporate taxes. If you lower corporate taxes, which previous governments were doing and our economy was booming, that'd be number one. When you lower corporate taxes, three things happen. The corporations pay out more dividends to shareholders. And people are like, wow, those shareholders are making all this money. No, more money in dividends to shareholders means shareholders spend more money on the economy. Lower corporate taxes means more money by the corporation spent on research and development, meaning more money spent on research and development means more money put back into the economy. Also, lower corporate taxes means more cash flow for the corporations. And there we go, oh, those evil corporations again. No, that's the brainwashing by the politicians. More money for corporations through lower taxes means more people get hired, means more employment, more employment means more tax revenue, means more tax revenue means better economy, which leads us right to the next thing, lowering income tax for people to a much lower tax rate means you put more money into people's pockets more money into people's pockets, and it's been shown time and time again, means more money gets spent. The government philosophy is tax, 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 especially, sorry to be political, I'm, I'm not right wing, left wing. I'm just more of the, the more, kind of in the middle, because um, I'm so good at sitting on the fence, right, John? Um, the more you tax people means they have less money, but it's a great sales job because people, Listen to me. When you pay more taxes, you think or you make the rich pay and you pay more taxes, you think that goes into your pocket. Not true. It goes into government's pockets. It goes into politicians' pockets. Geez, all these things happened during COVID where some families were just ripped apart with no jobs, furloughs, all these other things happen, illnesses, everything else. I don't recall seeing any politicians giving back any of their salaries to help people. As a matter of fact, I think they got raises. So if Peter was the finance minister, it would start right at the top with taxes. I would also cut out freebies to all the not, I'm not talking corporation taxes, but all these handouts they give. Remember, we. Remember the $900 million of we and the 400 to $500 million of we that is still missing? So we didn't like the, the political backlash, so they just left Canada? Gee, where'd that money go? Or politicians on their private jets, even though they're all talking about the environment? You know what? Politicians make me sick. I'm sorry. So let me have finance minister just for a week. And people, first off, I'd never do it. But people... 
It starts with taxes at the top and putting more money in people's pockets so they can spend, have more in the, for their families and simplify our tax system. We do not need 75, it's not that much, but 75 different tax rates between provincial and federal. BC's got so many tax rates, it's insane. Federally, there's about four or five different tax rates that just changed again. But provincially, we got all these overlapping tax rates. Make it simple. Use three to four rates. That's it. I said, the accounts will have less to do, but that's okay, which means you'll be spending less on your accountant's money, which means you'll have more money in your pocket. Taxes will be simplified. Oh, and you'll get to spend more money in the economy, more money on you and your family and help things out. So just give me that job for a day. I'll have a blast. Uh, lower your taxes and more take-home money. I think you've been uh, universally elected. <laughs> so get ready for that phone call or the next uh, email certifying you as such. <laughs> <laughs> everything mortgages and everythingfinancial.com, uh, really just everything uh, to grow your financial plan and to keep money in your pockets. This one as well, your money personal finance podcast fits into that category it's episode 15 peter thanks for a great one to help out so many uh tax planning and that's a that's a key one in this 2021 and moving forward i think for everybody so uh, thanks again for the episode thanks john appreciate it i can't believe we've already been through 15 of these 15 running on 16 you can like subscribe a review and reach out to us on your favorite podcast platform uh, platform including the YouTube channel as well. And you can reach Peter again at your money at everythingfinancial.com.